Welcome to Victory Church's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. Amen. Well, we're going to dig a little bit tonight in Psalm 40. We won't get very far um, because there's way... This is a deep, 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 deep well here. You could fall in and never return, be gone forever. Psalm 40. You know, the good thing about the Word of God, you know, it's, uh, I love the, the prophetic nature of God's Word because it's, um, you know, Scripture that applies on so many different levels. You know, you have the first meaning that it was originally intended for. Um, but most of the time, the prophet that was writing and being used to write it didn't really know the, the complete fulfillment of what he was talking about. And it has applications like tonight we're reading a portion of Psalm 40. And it has first of an application, of course, in David's life. He fell in a horrible pit. And he had all kinds of different pits in his life. It could have been the one where Absalom, his, his son, was trying to kill him. Or the one when Saul was trying to kill him. Or, or the one when the, the Philistines had stolen his family and all of his stuff. Any one of those pits that he'd fallen into. And he was crying out to the Lord and singing a new song. It can also apply to, and it and does. Anytime you read the scriptures... If you don't find Christ in it, you haven't found the real reason for that verse. And this, this verse is all, this passage is also about Christ. He sang psalms when he was in the pit of despair on the way to Gethsemane with his disciples. It says he sang a hymn, a psalm, and sang with them. He cried to the Lord from a horrible pit, and the Lord heard his cry. And this psalm is also about me, and it's about you. It's about us when we fall into, when things don't go the way we had hoped and things, we find ourselves in a horrible pit. We can sit there and be in despair or despondent or we can cry out to the Lord and sing a new song and step into the prophetic and allow Him to pull us out to a wide place of deliverance. So this is, you know, I just listed four different applications of this, of this psalm. We're going to just read a couple verses to start with. We'll read verse, three verses. And then I have a a devotion and then um, some other stuff here. So Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. (laughs) And he reached down, down to me and he heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the mud. And he set my feet on a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth and a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear, many will see and fear this from hearing this new song. They'll see the supernatural nature of the song and what God has done for me. Many will see and hear, and that will cause them to trust in the Lord. So your trials become your pulpit is what happens. The stuff you go through becomes your opportunity to declare the glory of God to this generation. So here's the, um, I love this. This is, a, um, we'll start with the first it um, reads different in the Hebrew text, but if you were to if you read Psalm 40 verse one, where it says, "I waited patiently for the Lord," it literally says it like this. It doesn't really make a lot of sense in English. It says, "Waiting, I waited. Waiting, I waited." Everyone say that with me. Waiting, I waited. This describes more than just. Waiting till God shows up, it, des- it describes waiting in His presence. It's a description of saturation. 
waiting. I waited. It's, it's getting before him, knowing you can't do anything about the pit that you're in. But waiting, I waited. Waiting on the Lord. The Hebrew text literally reads, waiting, I waited. Most all of us can relate to that prayer. It often seems like the Lord moves in slow motion. You ever notice that he's timeless? He doesn't care about time. It doesn't matter to him. He's like a slow motion actor running. He's always on time, but it seems like he's awful slow sometimes. Waiting is a huge part of what we, we, we must do. The, Abraham waited 20 years. No, actually it was 30, it was 29, 30 years from, from the time he got the call until the time Isaac was born. Waiting, I waited. Noah built the ark for 120 years. Waiting, I waited. Waiting on the Lord is one of the main ways the Lord deals with us. In waiting, we are looking only to Him. We've concluded that nothing else can fix what we are needing, so we wait. Waiting is also closely associated with saturation. Waiting in His presence is a major part of our prayer and our walk with God. We have to conclude that just being with Him is more significant than the thing we are waiting for. So in waiting, I waited. He heard my cry and he answered me. This is how Matthew Henry describes waiting on the Lord. He says, David expected relief from no other than from, but from God. The same hand that tears must heal, that smites must bind up or will never be done. From God, he expected relief and he was big with expectation, not doubting, but it would come in due time. There's power enough in God to help the weakest and grace enough in God to help the unworthiest. Of all his people that trust in him. But he waited patiently. Which intimates that the relief did not come quickly. Yet he doubted not. But knew that it would come. And he resolved to continue believing. And hoping and praying. Till it did come. Those whose expectation is from God. Must wait with assurance. But must wait with patience. Now this is, this, though this is very applicable to Christ. His agony both in the garden and on the cross was the same continued and it was a horrible pit in a miry clay. Then was his soul troubled and exceedingly sorrowful. But then he prayed, Father, glorify thy name. Father, save me. Then he kept hold of his relation to his father. My God, my God. And thus waited patiently for him. Paul waited on the Lord in the Philippian jail. David waited on the Lord in a horrible pit. Jesus waited on the Lord at the cross. And the disciples waited on the Lord in the upper room. He comes through every time. Obviously, his ways are not our ways, and his timing is not our timing. So go ahead and wait. He has some amazing things coming your way. And going back to one of the things that I, I, I mentioned in this devotion was sometimes we think we want this one thing to happen so bad. We wait and we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait. And then he shows up. And then we realize it didn't matter after all. <laughs> what I was waiting for, would, it doesn't matter anymore. That he's, he showed up and he's doing something totally different than what I would thought. Because we don't know how to praise we ought. But when we wait, he comes and he sorts it out. And he causes all things to start working together in his beautiful harmony, his beautiful perfection. That's what he does. So, back to the new song. 
the supernatural nature of the song. So, yeah, this was, you know, this, this is, again, like I said, this is a picture of our, our vocal gifts, us singing in the Spirit. There's such power. That's where we tap unlimited power, singing in the Spirit. That's where we tap the almighty power of Almighty God. That's our conduit. That's the, that is the, the vessel or the vehicle He's chosen to use to empower us. We, you know, people may not like speaking in tongues, may not like singing in tongues, but that is the way God is chosen. Maybe you don't like the cross or, or Jesus hanging on the cross. Maybe you didn't like the way He did it, picking the Jews or whatever. But we, it's not our, it's not, it's not our business the way He did it. It's just yielding to Him. He was, He wanted to do it with this strange, stammering lips and other tongues. And we can say, well, I don't really like that. I, I don't think it's appropriate for this modern world. So I'm not going to do it that way. Well, you'll do without power then. You'll go without power. You just have it your own way. So I wait patient. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He reached down to, to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of a pit of destruction, out of the mud, and He set my feet on a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. So this song is is supernatural. The very nature of this song is supernatural. First Corinthians fourteen, fourteen and fifteen, New Testament version. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. So singing, singing, singing in the spirit, singing in the spirit, the untapped potential of God. Singing the new song in the spirit. It's where you discover wisdom and power and revelation and courage and holiness and purity. All of this comes in His presence. This also, now this going to the next part of this, the new song releases the fear of God. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see in fear and put their trust in the Lord. Many will see and fear. When, when you start to operate in the supernatural, it brings the fear of God on the scene. You know, people, they make, they make fun of all this stuff, but you, you start to bring the power of God on the scene, and people will, they'll, they'll, they'll usually shut up and, and take notice. You know, people may not like the presence of God, but when the presence of God shows up, it's undeniable. It's undeniable, and, and many times unignorable. This is, now, this is a little quote from what happened at Azusa Street. You know, the sign, it was like the Lord was restoring this particular gift to His church in 1906. The singing in the Spirit. It had been lost for many, many, many years. God was restoring singing in the Spirit to His church in 1906 at Azusa Street. He was restoring power to His church that it had lost for a long time. And that's, that's what this generation, each generation needs a re-baptism, a resaturation, a rediscovery of the power of God. Might not like where it comes, but we have to go with the way God does it. Now this, here's a little quote from Frank Bartleman, one of the participants. He was like a, a journalist who wrote about what he experienced at Azusa. 
He said, suddenly the Spirit would fall upon the congregation. He said, God Himself would give the altar call. Men would fall all over the house like slain in battle. We had services like that in 1994, people falling all over the building just spontaneously. It was, it was shocking. Never seen anything like that before. People falling out of their pews all throughout the building. That'll get your attention when that starts happening. Men would fall all over the house like the slain in battle or rush for the altar in mass to seek God. The scene often resembled a forest of fallen trees. Such a scene cannot be imitated. I never saw an altar call given in those early days, he said. God himself would call them. And the preacher knew when to quit. When he spoke, we all obeyed. It seemed a fearful thing to hinder or grieve the spirit. The whole place was steeped in prayer. God was in his holy temple. It was for man to keep silent. The Shekinah glory rested there. In fact, some claim to have seen the glory by night over the building. I do not doubt it. I've stopped more than once within two blocks of the place and prayed for strength before I dared go on. The presence of the Lord was so very real. So that was, you know, the, the fear of God. Our, right now, more than any time in, in my lifetime, our world needs a good dose of the fear of God. Amen. To, to reverence and fear this holy God. Not to mock Him, not to mock His laws, not to mock His Word, not to mock His people, not to try to hinder the move of God. So this going on here. The new song is also connected. It's connected to signs, wonders, and miracles. It's, you start to create a, our, our voices. And that's, you know, what, what's, what ha- one of the things that was so sorry about the things that happened in the last year was that it was an attempt, whether it was intentional or not, it was an, an attempt by the, by the spirit of darkness to shut the mouth of the church. Because when we begin to worship corporately, it releases the power of signs and wonders. If he can keep everyone locked up in their living rooms watching church on TV... You'll never see the power of God released in this generation. So, he, he put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Many, Lord, my God, are the wonders which you have done. And your thoughts toward us. There's no one to compare with you. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. You know, I wanted to to reiterate something that I mentioned Sunday. I don't remember if it was in the morning or in the evening. But recently, Perius and I watched a movie about this miracles that began to break out in this, in this small town. And it made me think just how quickly everything can change. It doesn't take much. You know, things, when Jesus began to move in the power of signs and wonders, things changed immediately. It was a, a turnaround. And, you know, it, do, it doesn't take long. It takes, it takes longer for us to put ourselves in a position for God to move than it does for God to actually touch the world. We sit here and go around the mountain for 40 years, and then God shows up, and everything happens in a couple weeks. So it's, it's a matter of, of the body of Christ coming together, one heart, one soul, one voice, 
And for God begin to, to stir up the power of signs, wonders, and miracles in the midst of his church. So, yes, the new song is connected to signs, wonders, and miracles. Now, this is, um, let me go here. This is, this is powerful. I have a, um, a quote from Jonathan Edwards. I love this. And, a, and a, about songs of joy from the pit or in, a, in, in tough times. The song of the Lord becomes part of the very makeup of our souls. This becomes part of, as you begin to become more and more entrenched in the supernatural, and you become one of those worshipers that God is looking for, it becomes the fabric of your life. Worship becomes the fabric of your life. Worship becomes who you are. It starts to take on, your, your character begins to be shaped and formed by being a worshiper of God. Um, you know, that was, you think about it, what defined the generation of the 60s? It was the music. It was the Beatles and Bob Dylan and Led Zeppelin and all of that. That defined a generation, right? The worship defines who you are. What you worship defines who you are. It defi- you, can judge, you can judge the excellency of a person's soul by what they worship. You know a lot about people by the music they listen to and the songs that they sing. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching up here now. As a result, this song sustains us. So this, this, the Lord becomes part of the makeup, this singing becomes part of the makeup of our soul. As a result, this song sustains us in the darkest of times. That song sustains us. The worldly man sings songs of joy only when things are going well for him. The Christian, we have no such limitations. Our songs of joy are not even related to our present circumstances. Our joy has nothing to do with what's going on in the natural world. Our joy is another kind of joy. Our songs are spiritual in nature and flow out of the relationship with Christ that burns in our souls. We've tasted His love. We've been touched deeply by His power. And we've sensed the nearness of His coming kingdom. What else can we do but sing for joy? Now here's how Jonathan Edwards saw this song in relationship to our troubles in this world. He wrote a sermon about singing the new song after the vision of John, when John saw them singing, the, the, the saints singing in heaven. He says, how great does this, the rejoicing of this company that John saw in his vision seem to be in singing this sweet song. So engaged were they in it, and so loud and sweet was the melody of their united voices that John seems not to know how to express it, and therefore he used various similitudes. He gave various examples of trying to describe the worship that he heard in heaven. He, he, it was indescribable, and he, he tried his best with human words to describe what he heard and what he saw in his vision. He says, it was as the voice of many waters... And it's like the voice of a great thunder and the voice of harpers harping with their harps. He said it was their voices sound like thunder and like rivers and like musical instruments coming out of their mouths. That was kind of the way they described the outpouring in in Azusa Street. It sounded like a, a musical instrument coming out of their throats. The joy and praise and melody were inexpressible. The song is fit to be sung in the mournful and sorrowful time. This song is fit to be sung in the mournful and sorrowful times. We have always a reason to sing it. 
Whatever afflictions we may be under, and there is support and joy to be had in the melody of it in the darkest times. This is the song that God gives us in the night of affliction. Tis very proper to sing this new song on a deathbed. And many of the saints have sung it then, and thereby have triumphed over death. Yea, many have sung this new song in the flames of martyrdom, and have exulted in the midst of torments. The joy and sweetness of it is enough to carry the soul above pain and above the cruelty of men and of devils. This new song is actually a foretaste of our incredible life to come. When the reality of that other world is in us, the troubles of this present life lose their sting. This is the way Paul was able to sing from the dungeon in Philippi. This is how John endured his isolation on Patmos. And this is the strength that kept Peter in his martyrdom. All of us face troubles in this life. Only those who know the new song can actually face their troubles with joy. And I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to finish and then we'll pray. I'm going to read one last, one last blog. This one, I, I love this. This is... Um, this is called from Singing from Mombasa to Hong Kong. Mombasa is a beautiful town in Africa. And everywhere you go, everywhere you go in the world today, people are singing. Everyone's singing. But what song are they singing? You know, what song is the melody of their hearts? From Mombasa to Hong Kong. Music and singing are a huge part of all of our lives. People love to sing from Mombasa to Hong Kong, from Sydney to London, and from Anchorage to Shanghai. People just love to sing. They're singing in elevators, and they're singing in the shower. They're singing at their office, and they're singing in their bedroom. Songs are being sung about falling in love and about losing their love, and songs about glory days and tragic days, songs from their past and songs about tomorrow. We were created to express the things we feel strongly about in a song. Even Jesus is a singer. Oh, that's got to be the sweetest of all voices. Oh, when Jesus begins to sing. Oh, the voice of many waters. When Jesus begins to sing, miracles flow like a mighty river. When Jesus lifts up his voice is the sweet singer. David was just the type and shadow of the sweet psalmist. Of his father, of his son David, of Jesus. And here's Spurgeon describing this new song. He's put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God. At the Passover music, Passover before his passion, our Lord sang one of the grand old psalms of praise. But what is the music of his heart now? In the midst of his redeemed. What a song is that in which his glad heart forever leads the chorus of the elects. You know, it's said that Lucifer, of course, the Bible says that Lucifer was the, was the song leader before he fell. Well, he's been replaced by Jesus. Justice magnified and grace victorious. Hell subdued and heaven glorified. Death destroyed and immortality established. Sin overthrown and righteousness resplendent. What a theme for him in that day when our Lord drinks the red new wine with us all in our heavenly Father's kingdom. Even on earth and before his great passion, he foresaw the joy which was set before him and was sustained by the prospect, our God. 
the God of Jesus, the God of Israel, my God and your God. How we how will we praise him? But ah, Jesus will be the chief player on our stringed instruments. Jesus will be playing David's ten stringed instruments dancing before the father. He will lead the solemn hallelujah, which shall go up from the sacramental host redeemed by his blood. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. A multitude that no man can number shall see the griefs and triumphs of Jesus. They shall tremble because of their sinful rejection of him. And even through grace shall receive faith and become trusters in Jehovah. Here is our Lord's reward. Just think about it. When Jesus was facing his imminent death just before his arrest in Gethsemane, he prepared his heart and the heart of his disciples with the song. <laughs> what a better time to sing. They're, he's leading them through the valley of the shadow of death, headed to Gethsemane, and he's singing the song. We don't know exactly what he sang, but David typified Christ facing his passion when he sang the new song from what he called a horrible pit. This spiritual song is empowered by the Spirit and accomplishes multiple things. It actually carries power within itself and strengthens and encourages the singer. As you sing the new song, you're strengthened in the Lord's. That's our strength. That's where our strength comes from. The Holy Spirit. As we draw near to God and we sing to Him the mighty new song, our, our bellies are filled with the strength of Jehovah God. It also carries the seeds of prophecy within it. As we sing the new song, we are actually declaring or announcing aspects of his coming kingdom. Filled with strength and declaring his prophetic word over the nations. So why don't you just go ahead and sing? If you're down in the dumper, sing. If you need to make decisions, sing. Join together with the voices of the nations and sing a new song to the Lord. Hallelujah. Visit our website at www.victorychurchnola.com for service times and more information. 